Hello, everyone, and welcome to the John Strelecki Audio Experience. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. This is one of our appetizer size portions. And in that regard, in the past, we've posted some where I take a single concept and I just talk about something I've been thinking about uh, that I've put my head around a little bit and wanted to share with you. In this case, I just got back. I was in Cologne, Germany, doing an event at the Lanxus Arena, which was a really cool experience. 18,000 people. Uh, I was actually there last year as part of the tour for Urashum im Café Amrana de Welt, the fourth book in the Café series. And it was awesome last year to get a chance to see and interact with fans after the two-year hiatus. And this year, I was uh, invited to come back and I was so looking forward to the two days and the chance to spend time with fans. And it was absolutely awesome. So we literally probably took, I don't know, a couple thousand selfies, had some great meet and greets, and really just an opportunity to do some special stuff. And in those interactions with fans, one of the common themes I heard was that people really, really enjoyed the experience of this content that I'm going to share with you today. They just felt it was super calming. And so I thought, yeah, you know, I should uh, I should record that on the show because if people got that much out of it, um, I should definitely do that. So uh, one final thought and one of the other great joys for me, of course, in going to events like that is often we get a chance to interact with guests that have been on the show. And that was actually one of the other highlights. So we saw Tobias Beck and Natasha Weglin, Madam Moneypenny, Victoria Yanka, a bunch of other folks who have been guests on the show. And so that was Another great treat for us uh, when we were doing that event. But like I said, the content really connected with people. And so I thought, you know what? Yeah, it would make sense to, to do an episode and share that with you. So the idea behind it, it was an 18-minute presentation. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for that presentation, my intuition had guided me to a very specific theme. And that theme is embrace. And so I shared four concepts that are part of that, each of them has been very transformative for me in my life. And uh, like I said, got some great feedback from the attendees. And so I hope that each of these pieces will be just as transformative for you. So here we go. Concept number one, embrace that small things lead to big things. So often in life, we have a desire, we have a dream, but I've noticed it just kind of hangs out there in a state of potential. And what I've discovered is that it's very often the small things which keep us from the big things. And so when we embrace the small things, it opens up the chance for these bigger things to come to life. And let me give you a very personal example of this. When you look at a picture of me or you watch one of our videos, I can pretty much guess what your initial reaction is, what your first thought is, wow, John is a very muscular guy. Like, look at how strong he is. I mean, look at the muscles on him. Am I right? Is that kind of the first thought you think when you see it? Well, there was a time when I was trying to make it as a professional athlete, as a two-man beach volleyball player. And because of all the training that I did, I actually was rather buffed and rather strong. And I liked that. I liked the way it felt. I liked what it enabled me to do out in the playing field. And this year in particular, I felt like I was really starting to slide in terms of my athleticism. My shoulders were slumping forward. I spent a lot of time at my computer when I'm writing and doing other things. I would notice when I was walking past a mirror that my posture wasn't that great. I was leaning forward a lot. And so I was thinking to myself, what can I do to get back into the shape that I was? Like, where do I begin? And as the universe likes to do, once we lock in on something important to us, it gives us a clue. 
And my clue came in the form of my daughter and I were off on an adventure day together, and we went to this go-kart place. And the guy that was handling the tickets for when you would enter into your little go-kart place was a literal mountain of a man. I mean, he looked like he could win one of those ridiculous contests of strength where they compete by doing something like, I don't know, pulling a bus with their bicep or something. I mean, he was super, super strong. He was the kind of person you looked at and you're like, okay, that, that dude's got muscles. And so I did something very small. I said, wow, you look incredibly strong. What's your secret? And he looked at me with this intense gaze, kind of gave me the up and down and gave me a little nod. And then in this incredibly deep and powerful voice, he said, push-ups. And I said, really? And he said, once again, in this incredibly deep and powerful voice, yup, push-ups. Now, I had tried push-ups in the past, and I found that it always hurt my neck. Again, a little thing keeping me from the big thing. But having seen this incredibly strong guy and his powerful one-word wisdom, push-ups, I was determined to give it another try. So I thought, okay, there's got to be some good stuff out there in terms of doing a perfect push-up. So I get on YouTube, literally within 10 seconds of searching, I find about 15 videos about how to do the perfect push-up. And not only describe the right way to do a push-up, they also describe the things that you absolutely do not want to do while you're doing a push-up because it will cause you to be in pain. And by the way, I think they gave three specific ones for like things you don't want to do. How many of those three do you think I was doing with my push-ups? Absolutely, all the things that you're not supposed to be doing. So with my newfound knowledge, I turn off my computer, stop watching YouTube, grab my yoga mat, get down on it, and I've got the perfect form in mind. My arms are at the correct angle. My body positioning is exactly the way it needs to be. And I slowly descend. One, push myself back up. I'm slowly descending. Two, push myself back up. And as I'm starting to descend from my third push-up, my arms begin to tremble. And as I'm easing down, it literally feels like my heart might actually explode out of my chest. But I stay with it and with pure grit and determination, I do four. Now, just to be 100% clear, that's not four sets, mind you. That is just four actual push-ups. This was completely and totally embarrassing. But here's the thing. The next day, I got up and my neck didn't hurt. So I did another four push-ups. And pretty soon, day after day, perfect form, no pain. The four grew to five, then six, then eight, eventually 10. Then I started doing a few sets of 10 every day. Well, about two months into this adventure, I was feeling muscles I hadn't felt in a long time. My shoulders were relocating back to where they were supposed to be. My posture was dramatically better. And it felt amazing. So amazing that I started looking for another way to extend the feeling of being strong that the push-ups had brought to me. Like that rowing machine that I had bought during COVID and which hadn't been used in like a year and a half. So I load up a few songs on the playlist. I hit the rowing machine just for 10 minutes. My goal was just to nice and easy, ease myself back into it. And you know what? That felt amazing too. So by month three, 
I actually began to look forward to my push-ups, to look forward to my rowing. I literally would get up in the morning and I'd be like, yes, I get to do my push-ups. So I did another small thing. I put a yoga mat outside of my office and I made a personal rule that every time I passed it, I would drop down and I would either do 10 push-ups, regular pace, or I would do five super slow push-ups. It literally takes just seconds of my day to do this, but the positive impact of it lasts all day. Because even though I may not be as buffed as the go-kart guy yet, I feel like an athlete again. And what this whole experience reminded me of is that so often in life, it is the small things, a few small actions, decisions, or pieces of information that's keeping us from the big dream. When we get past those small things, the big dream naturally follows. All right, moving on to embrace number two. Embrace that things you love will come to an end. When my daughter was little, and I would tuck her in at night. She had a particular routine she invented. Every night, she would ask for three hugs and seven kisses. So with great dramatic flair, I would give her three very, very cuddly hugs and seven very, very loud kisses on her cheek. And then after I'd turned off the light and I would start to walk out of her room, she'd say in her little voice, Daddy, can I have one more hug? And so I would come to the edge of her little bed and she would crawl over and wrap her little arms around me and we'd have one more hug. It was, without a doubt, one of the best parts of each day. And then, over time, she grew up. We'd still say goodnight, I'd still tell her I love her, but somewhere along the way, there was the last time for three hugs and seven kisses. And there was no countdown to this or celebratory moment of the last one. It just happened. In that same spirit, when my dad retired, he and my mom moved to Florida and they lived quite close to me. And he used to go out fishing on the ocean a lot. And he did it because he loved it. He had been a fisherman his whole life and he just loved being out on the water. But then as he got older and his balance got worse and his eyesight faded, he didn't go out as much, but he still went. Until the day came when he didn't go anymore because he just couldn't physically. And there was no countdown to this either or a celebratory moment of his last trip. And I've realized that this is the way it is with almost everything. There is no big ramp up as these things we love go away. It's not like when you have a retiring superstar athlete and they announce it's their final season before they retire. And in every stadium, there's a commemorative celebration or a TV show, like a really beloved TV show announces it's its final season. All the performers and the fans know it's coming to an end. And so you get these special press events, interviews, viewing parties, and of course, that last final emotional show. There were no confetti cannons or laser light shows counting down the final 10 times my daughter would ask for three hugs and seven kisses. My dad didn't get to look at a schedule and see that he had five, then four, then three, then two, then one final fishing trip out to the ocean to his favorite fishing spots. What I've learned from this is to embrace that these things that we love come to an end and to not take them for granted, to step back and make sure we really live in the moments which matter to us, not just being there as a participant 
while our mind is multitasking or our fingers are multitasking on our phone, but to really be 100% there. I mean, hopefully we all have hundreds of sunsets left to watch or bicycle rides to take or lunches with our best friend to enjoy. But the truth is, we just never know. So without being overly melodramatic about it, I encourage you to try and take some of that awareness with you throughout your days. I've found that it sort of brings that celebratory countdown aspect to things, even if hopefully the countdown number is still really, really big. Okay, embrace number three. Embrace your inner voice. One of my favorite exercises to share with people is something I call the best year ever exercise. Most of the time I recommend doing it at the start of the year, but really you can do it at any time. And the idea is that you ask yourself a simple question. What would make this year the best year ever? And I like to guide people to think in terms of four categories. What experiences would you like to have? What places would you like to go to? Which people would you like to spend time with? And what things would you like to learn? It is a very intuitive exercise. It's about asking your inner voice the questions, seeing what flows forth, and then honoring it by taking whatever you discover and adding it to your life calendar. My recommendation is that you have at least a minimum of one thing every three months, but really it can be much more than that. It can be as frequent as you want. Now, I created this concept, this exercise, about 10 years ago, and my family and I have been using it ever since. We always do it at the start of the year. And it has produced some of my all-time favorite moments over those years. And here's what I love about it and why I encourage you to give it a try. First of all, it's very empowering. It reminds us that we are in control of our lives and that we have freedom of choice. In my experience, one of the biggest stress creators and drivers of depression is feeling like we don't have freedom. And this reminds us that we do. Second, once you know your answers to the questions I explained, it gives you a pathway to walk. Now, this is also really helpful in terms of managing stress and anxiety because in the midst of an endless amount of options, all trying to get our time and energy, we have a very specific picture of what we want to spend our time on. So it makes it easy to say yes to opportunities which support that and to say no with no guilt or hesitation to those which do not. Third, because it gives you something to look forward to every quarter, it is an absolute winner. I mean, remember when you were a kid and you had Christmas or your birthday or summer break to look forward to? This helps create that same wonderful level of excitement even though you're an adult. And it all begins with embracing your inner voice. Okay, time for the final one. Embrace that it's okay to grow. In my book, The Big Five for Life, I talk about life curves. And for most people, they go through life in a way where as their life progresses, they have highs and they have lows, but their highs tend to be about the same high and their lows tend to be about the same low until they get to the end of their life and as their physical and mental capacity declines, so do their curves. And so this is the way most people go through life. And if you looked at a visual of that, it's just kind of like a sine wave. It's up and then down and then up and then down. But the highs are about the same high and the lows are about the same low. But when we allow ourselves to grow, our curve looks quite different. 
I call it an ascending life curve. And in this case, there are still these hills and valleys, but if you look at it on a graph, the hills and valleys are actually climbing. It's going from the bottom left quadrant and reaching for that upper left quadrant. Now, here's what's really interesting about that visual, about that curve. First of all, there are still highs and lows. That's life. Even when we're on our path and living the life we want, there are still down moments. There are still downtimes. But what you realize when you look at that ascending life curve is that those down moments, those are just the reality before we climb to a new high. Second of all, as time progresses, something really, really special happens. At some point, your lows, again, we still have highs, we still have lows, but at some point, your lows are now higher than what used to be your highs. And let me give you a personal example of that. When I was in my early 20s, I was working at a job I didn't like. I was poor. I was struggling to find my place and my purpose in life. And the place that I worked at was on the 11th floor of a high rise with no windows. So literally I would sit in my little cubicle every day, not even a full cubicle, but like a half cubicle under these fluorescent lights in the midst of that all day long, every day, Monday through Friday. Now on the first floor of the building was a deli. And every week I would go downstairs, I would buy ingredients so that I could take it home and make sandwiches for the whole week. Now the deli actually sold sandwiches but if I did it the way that I was doing it, where I bought all the ingredients and took it home and made sandwiches for the week, I could save the equivalent of a dollar a day. And back then, a dollar a day over 250 workdays was a lot of money to me. And I remember thinking back then, like a lot about this, that how amazing it would be if someday I could have enough money that I could walk into that deli each day at lunchtime and just buy a sandwich one of the pre-made sandwiches, the different varieties they had, that was going to be my high on my ascending life curve. Well, fast forward to this year. At the start of the year, my team and I did the best year ever exercise that I shared with you earlier. And one of the things we came up with was an idea called John Funds Your Dream, where we would contribute up to $1,000 or 1,000 euro, depending on where somebody lives, every 21 days to fund people's dreams. And we launched it through the Instagram channel that we have. And right from the start, it was something special. Uh, I think one of the very first winners, a mom who wanted to enable her daughter to take art classes, someone who wanted to become a scuba certified uh, diver so that they could go see green sea turtles, like in the cafe on the edge of the world. There was a person who wanted to go on a driving trip with their daughter over the course of a couple of months to see the countryside. Every single one was special. Every single one was awesome. Truly wonderful moments on the ascending life curve. And then there was the one that happened where a young woman named Luna was the winner. Luna had entered the contest because her grandmother has breast cancer. And she had shared with Luna that what she wished for was that she could go with Luna one last time to the ocean to see the waves to smell the salt air, to feel the sand beneath her feet with her granddaughter one last time. Now, as I mentioned, all the winners have been a very special experience to be a part of, but this one really hit me hard. When I was that 24-year-old struggling to find my way, struggling to find my purpose, wishing I could afford to buy a sandwich, I never could have imagined that one day I would be in a position 
where I could help make a dream like that come true. Here's why I share that with you. I want to ask you, I want to literally implore you with every part of my soul that it is okay to grow, to embrace that it is okay to grow. That no matter where your journey started or what life has challenged you with, that you will let your curve climb. Embrace the genius that is within you. You will follow your heart where it guides you most strongly and that you'll allow yourself to learn and build the foundational elements of life so that you can live an existence which ends up far exceeding anything you could have imagined. I am here on the mic today as a very humble proof that that is possible. And I know with 100% certainty that it's possible for you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. In the spirit of embrace, please feel free to look for an opportunity today or tomorrow where you can give someone you care about, maybe a fist bump or a high five or a hug if it feels right and you know them that well, and look at them and tell them, I can't wait to watch your curve climb. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been brought to you by the fantastically awesome JS Audio Team. Produced by the talented and so darn fascinating Larry Hodder. All right, everybody. Remember, life is short. Statistically, 28,900 days. So get out there and make this one a museum day. <laughs>